New Spring Church is an awesome place to find out about God, the plan He has for the world in general, and for you as an individual. Many of us have had our lives transformed by accepting God's gift of salvation, and now we have the opportunity to help others who need to know about His love. New Spring Church has developed some strategies to carry that life-changing message to the world. First of all, we partner with a ministry called Judgment House. Judgment House is an eight-scene walk-through drama presentation. Each Judgment House presentation tells the story of ordinary people who have opportunities to make decisions that have eternal consequences. New Spring has been presenting Judgment House every October since 2000. In the past seven years, we've seen tens of thousands of people have taken the Judgment House tour at New Spring. Thousands have made life-changing decisions. Many of those accepted Christ as Savior. In 2007 alone, at least 1,190 people made the decision to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. New Springers and believers from other ministries around Kansas use Judgment House as a tool to introduce others to the gospel message in a very personal and visual way. New Spring Church has helped train seven other churches in Kansas, Missouri, Mississippi, and Texas to do their own Judgment Houses. Now many more people have the opportunity to be affected by this powerful presentation. Watch a few testimonies of people whose lives have been changed through Judgment House. I just, this Judgment House has been so awesome to my family. I've had my wife tonight save Jesus Christ. I've had two of the three, three of my four kids saved because of just going through this awesome drama of Judgment House. I made a decision to follow Jesus so that if I die tonight, something like that, I know I'm going to heaven. New Spring TV is our television outreach. New Spring TV gives people a chance to experience New Spring Church without stepping outside the comfort zone of their own home. As Mark talks through real-life difficulties and how God has the answers for those difficulties, many people find their interest sparked to know more about the God who can help them in their own lives. God has used the television outreach to draw people inside our doors to hear more about Him and to learn how to have a relationship with Him. As a matter of fact, some of you have first heard about New Spring Church through the New Spring TV broadcast. Some people even take time to write to us and let us know how the broadcast has affected their lives. Your program on Channel 12 is a great blessing to me. I look forward to it from week to week. I watched your TV program Saturday night as I sat alone in my hotel room. As I saw your program start, I couldn't remember when the last time I saw so many happy people. I said to myself, I will give him five minutes and then I'm switching it. You were starting to talk about family makeovers. My family needs one. What you talked about gave me hope. So I decided to come to church and see what it would be like. Pastor, your message was just for me. It was like you knew my life and my family's. I'm going home and trying this makeover stuff out of my family. Pray for me. When you give your faith promise dollars, you're not only supporting these ministries locally in Wichita, but you're also supporting many ministries worldwide. What is God asking you to do to be part of His team? Well, hi. It's great to see you tonight. Um, I just need to talk to you about something that's a little different than what we normally do. Um, our church has grown a lot this year. In fact, we've grown by 50% since, 50% by last sept- since last September. And we've, we've grown by 20% in the last 60 days. So New Spring is just going crazy. And you guys are, it's your fault because what's happening, 
is you're going out and telling everybody about what God is doing. And so we're just growing real rapidly. And of course, we're just totally excited and trying to find enough room for our kids. Uh, but I, I just need to do something this year that's different from anything I've ever done in the years that I've been pastor at New Spring. And let me just tell you what it is. We, through the years, have had something that we call missions conference at the end of February or the beginning of March. And what we've done through the years is we've invited guests to come in and talk to us about missions. But given the fact that this has been the year of our greatest growth and so many of us are new to the family, uh, one of the issues I had, just me talking to you tonight, and I hope you don't take this in the wrong way, but a lot of times we bring guests in and they kind of like talk all around where we are. And I just felt like this year I need to talk to you. I think you need to hear from me because we're going to talk about what is our DNA at New Spring Church. And so for those of you who are brand new, I want to, I want to bring one message tonight and talk to you about what we're already doing to like get the good news of Jesus Christ around the world. And for those of us who have been at New Spring for a long time, I want to tell us tomorrow that we hadn't seen anything yet. And we don't even know what we're talking about yet. So this is going to be an extraordinary weekend. 360 says, you know, I've got vision all the way around. And we want to talk about how we can have a vision for the world. Now, at New Spring Church, everything starts with the Bible. We don't draw our authority from a denomination. You do not draw your authority from a leader, a a human leader. We draw our authority from this book that we know to be God's Word. So if we start looking for answers, we we don't have to look very far. We go to God's Word, find out what it is that we're all about. I've given you the statistic a number of times at New Spring, but 85% of American churches are either plateaued or in decline. Do you realize that? In fact, there are some statistics that came out that hit the wires last week. Didn't surprise me a bit. People are leaving churches in droves. Churches are flattening out and not reaching very many people here in the United States. And the reason for that is it's just real, real simple. It's not complex at all. Um, it's, it's just that most churches don't know what it is in the world they're trying to do. I mean, some of you have been in churches like that. You know, people go, they sit, they listen to songs, they listen to a man talk, they pay some money in an offering, they go out and come back next week and go through the same ritual again. You ask them, why do you go to church? Well, my parents went to that church. Or I go to church because of this or that or whatever. But when you, when you come into New Spring Church, my guess is this. You may, you may like what we're doing, you may not like what, you, what we're doing, but you'll know one thing when you walk in here. This is not a lazy church. This is a church that's really, really sure of what we're out to do. And we don't, get it, we don't make it real complicated. We don't try to do 40 different programs. We just do a few things. But we know what it is. I mean, we may be failing at it, but we know what it is that we're out to accomplish. And, uh, and so that's the reason, as I said a few moments ago, so many churches in America are in trouble is they don't know what it is that they're out to do. So how does a church know? See, this is the deal. How does a church know what it's supposed to do? I mean, I get called in to speak to pastors, as I will be in a couple of weeks, speaking at a pastor's conference. Pastors call me in. They ask me to talk to them about how they can know what a church is supposed to do. And I'm always glad. I always tell people more than I know anyway. But I mean, I, I, I'm glad to do that. But the truth of the matter is, I'm not a, an authority on what churches are supposed to do. How does a church know what it's supposed to do? Well, you've got to ask yourself, what is a church? Well, you say, I know what a church is. Church is a building. You know, here's the church, here's the steeple, and you open the doors, there's people. <laughs> a church is not a building. Someone could say, a church is people, but not even that dials it in. If you want to know what a church is, you have to go back to Jesus Christ because you take Jesus out, there's no such thing as a church. In fact, I know I'm, I don't, at the risk of boring you, but a church, the word church comes from the word ecclesia, which is two Greek words. This is going to be more than you want to know tonight. You'll not, you'll, by the time you get to Brahms this evening, you will have lost this probably. But it's a combination of two Greek words, ek, which means out of, and leso, which means to speak. 
So it means those who are spoken out are called out. Well, what would happen in the first century is that if there was going to be some sort of town meeting, you couldn't, you couldn't get everybody on a conference call. You couldn't get everybody online, you know. If you, if you wanted to get people together, uh, the mayor or the emperor or the governor would send a runner out through the community, and he would call everybody out and say, hey, come on out. And the group that came out would be whoever's ecclesia. If it was the governor calling people out, it was the governor's ecclesia. If it was the mayor calling people out, it was the mayor's ecclesia. It was a very secular term, in fact. It just meant the bunch, the group, the ones who get together to do the work of the guy who called them out. Jesus said, when he spoke about the confession Peter made that, he, that Jesus was the Son of God, Jesus said on this rock, on this confession, I'll build my ecclesia. I'm going to have my called out, my, the ones I call out. Why are you here tonight? You're here because Jesus called you out. I mean, he spoke to you and said, come out. And, and you're here. And you're not here to, to worship me. You're not here to worship each other. We're here tonight to worship Jesus because we are his ecclesia. Okay. That's free. I wasn't even going to talk about that tonight. How'd that get in there? Okay. Take your Bibles and, and look in Matthew. This is the last chapter, chapter 28 of the first book of the New Testament, Matthew 28. Jesus has already lived his life. He's already died on the cross. He's arisen from the grave. He's called his, his guys together, the, the disciples or apostles. He's called them together and he, he, he's got a message for them. And it's this, Jesus said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, if you were here for the, me- for the message that I preached about Job, how that when Adam and Eve sinned, they surrendered the authority of this world that God had given to them. They surrendered over to the enemy, to, to Lucifer. But when Jesus died on the cross, when he rose from the grave, he got it back. And so Jesus came out to his disciples, those 11 guys, and said, I have an announcement to make, guys. All authority has been transferred over to me. Listen, have you ever been, have you ever been told to do something? Where you work by somebody you knew didn't have the authority to tell you to do it? <laughs> you say, Mark, you ever work in a factory? I mean, isn't that, isn't that kind of, I mean, that's sort of an untenable position, isn't it? You know, you're told to do something, but you're saying, you don't really have the authority to tell me that if I do this and I get in trouble, you're going to forget about me. But Jesus came to the disciples and said, before I tell you this, guys, I want you to know, A-double-L, all authority has now been handed over to me. Therefore, go. You know, I need to go back and read that last expression. Forgive me for, for that. I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Listen, when you worship Jesus, you're worshiping the most significant person in the universe. Therefore, based on that, based on what? Based on the fact that Jesus has all authority. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples. The word disciple there means followers. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, a church is something really special. It is a called out believers of Jesus Christ. But when the first church started in Jerusalem, the Lord wanted them to understand this is only the very first one of what he wanted to be all over the world. And I think it's exciting to consider what it means to be a Christian tonight or a Christ follower. Do you realize that when Jesus sent his disciples out of the world, 
He did not send them out with an army to coerce people into a system, as did some of the other world's religions. He did not send them out to take over a nation or any political system, as some religions have done and some fraudulently have in the name of Christianity. He did not send them out to wear a particular garb that would distinguish them by the dress that they wore. In fact, just the opposite. He sent them out into the world to tell people good news. He did not send us out to make converts. He sent us out to share the good news. In fact, if you've ever heard the expression evangelize and it freaks you out, you need to understand what the word evangelize means. It means just to go out and good news people. And the church just doesn't do that very much. You know, I, I, I've watched this all my life. Churches have a way, and, and, I, and, and I've been guilty of this probably without even wanting to do it. But churches have a way of saying, go out and get everybody to fit into this particular mold. And once you get them in that mold, then they're a Christian. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, go out into all the world and take the good news, the gospel, make followers. In other words, create an environment where people find a way to follow Jesus and follow him faithfully. And then Jesus said, teach them to do the things that he commanded. Not the tenets of a religion, not the list and everything that religions tend to impose, but Jesus said, teach them to do the things that I've commanded. Now, I want to like go forward in time now because this is in Acts chapter 1. It's really pretty close in time to what we just read. But in Acts chapter 1, Jesus is getting ready to leave. He's going to go back to heaven. And he's in, really in the last, I'm thinking really the last seconds that he's going to have with his disciples before he ascends back to heaven. So now at this point, he's already, like I said, he's already died on the cross. He's already risen from the grave. He's met with his disciples. The disciples signed on to follow Jesus, believing that he was going to establish a kingdom. That's true. But that kingdom is going to come at the end of this age. That's why Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. The disciples struggle with that. And so they were trying to scratch their heads and figure out exactly what it is that Jesus was out to do because he died on the cross, he'd risen from the grave. And so they asked him, in fact, verse 1 says, they kept on asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and ye will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, that was their hometown, through Judea, that was their region, Samaria, that's the neighboring region, and to the ends of the earth. Tonight, where we are in Wichita, Kansas, is a fulfillment of what Jesus told his disciples. They took the good news of Jesus, and they kept unfolding it and kept reaching other people with it until finally, here we are, 2,000 years later, in the middle of a land that those people didn't even know existed, and we're worshiping Jesus as a fulfillment of this promise. That's awesome, isn't it? And God is doing awesome things in our world. I, I was just looking at some wonderful statistics. You know, I, I thought to myself, this particular missions conference this year is almost like a State of the Union address. But I have a much more pleasant job than President Bush or Bernanke talking about the economy. Because I can tell you that God is doing awesome things. I mean, he's doing them right here in Wichita, Kansas. But God is doing awesome things around the world. Did you realize that the percentage of Bible-believing Christians, and not just nominal Christians, I'm talking about Bible-believing Christians, the percentage of Bible-believing Christians has doubled in the world since 1978. Wow. 
Somebody can say, well, oh man, Mark doubled? That's because most of it hasn't happened in the United States. It's happening in Africa. It's happening in Asia. Places that were, were blocked out to the good news. And yet God is doing awesome things in our world. So somebody could say, well, Mark, what does it have to do with me? Because, yeah, I've heard that there's such a thing as missionary, and I've seen them in the movies, and they have pith hats, and they hack their way through the jungle. I know about missionaries, you know, they, they, they go and make hospitals and fly in airplanes and, and that kind of thing. Well, maybe that's true, but that's just the surface. Tonight, I want to share with you what a missionary is, what a missionary does, and how you and I have a responsibility and how we have a part in that. I want to take you to the book of 2 Corinthians, which is a favorite book of mine. And, and Paul is writing to a church just like I'm talking to a church tonight. In fact, there's really no difference between what Paul did then and what I'm doing tonight. So I want you to imagine that instead of having to listen to me tonight, you're getting to listen to Paul. Wouldn't that be something? Except people fell asleep when he preached. I'm not sure that's a good thing. Fell out of windows and nearly died. But we'll leave that for another weekend. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16, so we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view, which is a great idea. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. I can raise my hand to that because Jesus has made me a different person. Okay? The old life is gone. A new life has begun. That is what it means to be a Christian. Did you notice there's nothing there about, well, I joined the church, or I gave my money, or I I, I did this, or I did that. I mean, the Bible says that people who belong to Christ become a brand new person. The old life is gone, a new life has become, and all of this is a gift from God. Not indoctrination by some teacher at a church. I'm thankful for teaching. But I can't, I can't make you a new person. I cannot give you the gift of eternal life. I can tell you about it. I can show you how to get it, and I try to every weekend. But if you have eternal life, it is a gift from your heavenly Father. we got a brand new series starting Easter called How Life Works. It is an awesome series. One of the first things that we're going to lear- learn about that series is whenever God gives a gift from his heart, it is a good gift. Every good gift, every perfect gift, James says, comes down from the Father of lights, from whom there's no valuableness, neither shadow of turning. All of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. This is huge. Guys, please don't let me go too fast here. What did Jesus do when he was on the cross? According to what we just read, he brought us back to God. Why is that important? Because sin separated us from God. When Adam and Eve sinned, they were separated from God forever. When you and I came and we added to our, to that debt of sin, to original sin, we were separated from God. Some of them might say, why can't God just take everybody to heaven? Because sin separates people from God. And it's not something that God can just wink at because God can't. He's, he's a God of perfect justice. I, I, years ago when I was a little kid, I heard a story about a, a couple who were having trouble and they were separating and they were on their way to divorce and the little girl got really, really sick and they had to rush to the hospital and, you know, one came in his, you know, from his side of town, his car, and the lady came from her side of town, her car, and they got to the hospital and they stood on either side of the, little, of the bed and the little girl reached out with one hand, took the hand of her mom, reached out with the other hand, took the hand of her dad and brought them together and placed them over her you got to understand that when Jesus died on the cross, that's exactly what he did. 
He took a God, a holy God, whom we had offended. And he reached out with one hand. When he stretched out on the cross, he reached out with one hand. And he took hold of his Father. Jesus could do it because he was perfect. He didn't need to have any separation between him and his Father. God the Father was his dad. I mean, that's why Jesus used the term Papa or Abba for dad. He reached out with one hand and he took hold of his father's hand. And he reached out with his other hand and he took hold of us. And through his death on the cross, he brought God's hand and our hand together. And if you're a child of God tonight, that is how it happened. You didn't get it by joining a church. You got it because Jesus loved you. Now, could I read that one more time? I told you not to let me go through too fast. Look at this again. This means that anybody, verse 17, who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. New life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who has brought us back to himself through Christ. Now, look at what happens next. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And we can all say hallelujah to that. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Verse 20, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Do you see that? I mean, Jesus came on a mission to our world to do what? To bring us back together with God. And now when Jesus went back, he said to all of us who have been now reconciled with God, because see, we're not separate anymore. Now that we're not separated from God and God is not holding our sins against us because Jesus' blood paid for them and we're in a right relationship with God, Jesus said, I'm going back to heaven, listen, but I'm leaving you with this job and this message of reconciliation, this good news, so that you can reach out to people and bring them to God. Awesome. That's what New Spring Church is out to do. That's everything to us. We want to bring people to Christ. And, and you guys know, and, and some of you have been with us for a while on a journey. We said, and we've made it real clear, if there's a barrier in the way between us reaching somebody who needs Jesus, we'll pull that barrier out of the way. We want to build a bridge to every person who needs Christ. And that's what you've heard about tonight. I want to talk to you a little bit about what's going on at New Spring Church already. You saw the video. I, Judgment House, what an awesome thing. I mean, you, and I'm not going to go over this at length because you just saw this, but we've been doing Judgment House for seven years. Over, and I'm using conservative number here. Over 40,000 people have been through Judgment House. Last year, and we're keeping track even still running, 1,390 people have accepted Jesus Christ as a result of last year's Judgment House. Over 7,000 people have accepted Christ through the years of Judgment House. But here's the exciting thing about New Spring, and I'm going to get into what I'm going to talk about a little bit tomorrow. See, it it wasn't enough for us to do Judgment House because we reached a point where we really couldn't advertise very much because we fill up so fast. We had a hard time. You know what the Lord led us to do? The Lord led us to, to talk to other churches and say, come help us. And it was a dream and a vision. This last year in Leavenworth, in Cunningham, in Newton, Grand Prairie, Texas, and Biloxi, Mississippi, we helped other churches start judgment houses so that they now are hearing the kinds of stories that we've been hearing for years. Pastor from Grand Prairie called me the other day. He said, man, this revolutionized, this revived our church. 
See, that's how New Spring's got to get that vision. I mean, and we are getting it. I mean, it's awesome what's happening here. The ripple is going throughout the community. We hear it all the time. You guys are awesome. You go out and you tell people, you got to come to my church because my church is, is so different. But what I'm going to be talking about tomorrow is, hey, it's not enough for us to impact Wichita, Kansas, and southern Kansas and the surrounding area. We believe, listen to me, we believe God has a role for us as a church that is global. That's global. I got to get back or I'll preach tomorrow morning's message. Dan talked about New Spring TV. When we got into television, I didn't want to get into it because I have a face for radio. I didn't. <laughs> you know, I have a thing about TV preachers. I won't ever wear any makeup. I just, it just kind of, and I, I, and I thought, you know, when we first got offered it, the t- television time was so inexpensive. I thought, well, you know, nobody's going to watch us. But we'll, at least we'll, we'll get into the habit of doing a broadcast. Dan told me this week, conservative estimate with the numbers that we get, 50,000 homes in this region watch New Spring Television each weekend. This has messed me up. Because you guys know I'm not the normal pastor, you know. <laughs> I mean, I go out in the community and I can't go anyplace anymore. But you know what's exciting is that you heard the stories. And, and, and many of you, New Springers, the first time you caught us, you caught us on New Spring Television. And it's just a tool. It's a tool that God has given. And God is blessing that. But here's the thing I want to do tonight. I want to talk to you about some things that you might not know about. New Spring is already involved in a lot of different mission endeavors here, I mean, we're involved in Union Rescue Mission. Union Rescue Mission, for years we've been involved. This is an awesome ministry that helps people who are, who are on the streets. And people who, because of substance addiction and because of you know, just life, they've wound, out with, wound up with no place to go. I, I had the privilege of preaching at a graduation at, uh, at the Union Rescue Mission this last year. And I'm telling you, when I heard the stories of life transformation, it, it blew me away and it excited me. Because, I, you know, oftentimes when we think about people who are, you know, on the streets, we think about people who just have never been anywhere in life. I listen to stories from people who had graduate degrees, people who have been at the top of their game in business. Some of them have been at the top of their game in education, but because of substance abuse, it pulled them down to the gutter. But I listened as they told about how that God had put their lives back together at the Union Rescue Mission. And now they're going back, and, and some are here at New Spring. Awesome, awesome. And we have a big part of that. Victory in the Valley, which is great ministry that Lois Tommy birthed for, for people who are, are struggling and dealing with and, and being cured from cancer. It's an awesome ministry, Victory in the Valley. We've been part of that since its inception. Now, I want, to, I want you to do something. Would you, would you reach into the pew in front of you and grab an offering envelope? And you can put it back. I'm not trying to get you to do it. <laughs> so, that mark will do anything. Okay, take a look at something. Now, if you go over in that right-hand column, it says tithes and offerings. And I talked about tithing the other week. That is what we bring to our local church here at New Spring. See right below that, it says missions. So, like, if you write one check or if you're doing this online, you can actually designate what your tithe and offering is, and then you can designate what you want to give to missions. What happens when you bring a gift to missions at New Spring? Where does it go? Well, I've already talked to you about several things, but do you realize that we help support over 150 missionaries? 
So tonight, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, this is conservative because I, I feel sure I'm going to leave some countries out. Do you realize that when you make a gift to missions, you are helping people be reconciled to Jesus in Brazil, Ecuador, Chile, Indonesia, Guatemala, Honduras, Australia, Romania, Bangladesh. How many of you got to hear Dr. John Shirkar when he was here? I mean, he was telling us about how that there are churches being established in Muslim communities. 15-year-old boy. In fact, Dr. Shirkar begged him not to be baptized because he said, if you're baptized, you're going to be targeted by your own people. And they nearly beat the kid to death. But he said, I would. He, he deliberately chose to follow Lord in baptism. Awesome stuff handling in Bangladesh. We're going to get more deeply involved in that. That's huge. I'll be talking about that later. Paraguay, Russia. The Ukraine, Tanzania, Bolivia, India, Japan, Uganda, the Philippines, Togo, West Africa, Argentina, Mexico, China, New Zealand, Cambodia, Zimbabwe, the Dominican Republic, Ivory Coast in Africa, um, Guyana, Jamaica, Germany, South Africa, Spain, Cuba. We actually have a couple, Matt and Floor Patton, going to Cuba. Israel, Costa Rica, Zambia, Thailand, Ghana, West Africa, Papua New Guinea, and I could go on and on. These are nations that New Spring Church has boots on the field where people are making a difference. And every time you give to missions, you are helping people know about Jesus. Listen, I got to tell you, I'm human. When I go through the streets of the city or the malls or whatever... And somebody comes up to me and says, aren't you Mark Hoover? And I'm saying, yes. And they start saying, you know, man, I watched the broadcast and, and God just changed my life and I accepted Christ and, or God helped my family get put back together. Or I, I go to New Spring Church and th- this is what I hear all the time. Man, I, I, I never thought church could be like that. I, we, I heard from a guy the other day, so I was a lifelong agnostic and I came to New Spring. And it's just like God just opened up my world. I'm human enough. I really enjoy that. I do. And not the personal side of it. I just enjoy meeting a new friend that God has changed their lives through this church. But I want to tell you something. It's a good thing that heaven lasts forever. Because you're going to get up to heaven. And, you know, here's a week and you're just getting your faith promise. You know, you're getting your missions gift ready. And you're saying, yeah, boy, that would do this. That would do that. You're going to get to heaven. And if people are going to come out of all kinds of places. They're going to come from Paraguay. They're going to come from Indonesia. They're going to come from Ghana, West Africa. They're going to come from the Soviet Union. They're going to come from Cuba, for crying out loud. And they're going to come up to you like people come up to me, and they're going to say, thank you for what you did. See, this is what's important about helping missionaries get there. You know, if you and I have financial trouble, and God forbid that we should, but we're here in the United States, if you lose your job, you can try to get another job. There are other things that you can do, but it's so important for us to hold the rope financially for missionaries because in a foreign country, you know, for them to stop what they're doing and try to take care of business would be like a pilot of a 747 at 35,000 feet trying to pull over the side of the road and work on the airplane. So when we hold the rope for these guys... And these ladies who are in these foreign places helping people know who Jesus is, it's awesome. Think about this. I mean, I, I, listen, I, I read these numbers and they just blew my mind. From 1978 till now, the percentage of Bible-believing Christians in our world has doubled. I'm disappointed in the United States a little bit because American churches are falling asleep at the switch. But your brothers and sisters in Africa, they're not falling asleep. 
I mean, in places where AIDS is claiming half the population, there are huge churches. In Asia, there are churches the size of which will blow our minds. And I keep wanting to preach tomorrow's message. (laughs) I'm so ginned up about that. For so long, the concept is we have to send American missionaries over there. What we're watching develop in front of our eyes is we're watching a whole generation of nationals come up, getting into places where Americans cannot go, able to connect with their populations because there's a little bit of an ugly American concept going on in our world today. And instead of Americans going to the front of the bus saying, hey, we're going to solve this thing, some of us American churches are going to get in the back of the line and go over to some of these national churches and say, what can we do to help you? What do you need from us? Oh, we got, got great things to talk about tomorrow because I want to talk to you about what God is leading New Spring Church to do in our world. And I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you're part of it. One thing we hear a lot at New Spring is, I've been coming here for three weeks. I've been coming here for four weeks. And I know that for many of you, you love what you're already experiencing. I want to take a few moments and talk to you about a church that's been here for a long time. And I've been here 23 years, but there are people here tonight, I've already looked out and seen, there are people here who are here longer than I. And if you could pull them aside, you could talk to them, and they could tell you that whatever mistakes this church has made in the past, and we've probably made a few, most of them being mine, whatever things we've done wrong, one thing we've done right through the years is we've had a passion for people around the world. It's been part of our DNA. And so if you're part of New Spring tonight, I want you to know you're part of a church that doesn't just look local. We do look local because here's the deal. Our first mission is New Spring Church. But we look past that and we say, we just believe God's got a job for us to do in our region, in our nation. And as crazy as it sounds, for a church in the middle of Wichita, Kansas, we believe that God has got stuff for us to do that's global. And I can't wait to see what God is going to do next through us. Now I want to do something. When you came in today, you got something a little extra. You got, and again, this is part of our nomenclature, maybe brand new to you. It's what we call a faith promise card. Now, if you're part of New Spring, you know that I don't ask you to promise to bring your tithe. I don't ask you to promise to bring your offering. That's between you and the Lord. But when it comes to world evangelism, we do something a little different. We ask you to make a a promise, a commitment. And we call this faith promise because it's not just a promise based on what you think you're able to do. It's what you believe that God is going to do through you. And there's a reason why I'm asking you to promise. Now, you don't have to put your name on this. Here's the reason why we ask you to promise. I'm asking you to make a commitment because we as a church have to make a commitment. When we determine to help a missionary in Papua New Guinea, we can't say, well, we'll try. We're making a commitment. And we're saying, we're going to help you. And, and thankfully, I can tell you, I've been pastor here for a long time, almost two, dec- or two decades. And I was here before, and many of you have been here a long time before that. We have never made a commitment to a missionary anywhere in the world that we did not keep. We have never been a day late, as far as I know, getting the commitment to those missionaries. And that's because you guys are committed. But we need to know what, what, what our commitment can be. We need you to help us know that. We need you to help us set the budget in effect. 
So I'm going to ask you to do something, and you, I'd like for you to do it tonight unless you're going to be here tomorrow, because if you're going to be here tomorrow, I want you to hear what I'm going to say tomorrow before you feel this in, okay? Because <laughs> you just could come to, so you're going to say, I better fill it out tonight because I'm scared to death. If I come tomorrow, I'm going to get turbocharged. This is going to go crazy. Uh, and it could be that you might want to think about it for a week and bring it back next week, but I really, here's the deal. If you're not going to be here tomorrow, if you can't be here tomorrow, I'd like you to go ahead and do this tonight. And you can look, there's some figures on there, but you may say, well, Mark, those figures are too big. And, and most I can do is a dollar a week or $2 a week or whatever. I'm not going to turn this into a telethon. This is between you and the Lord. You don't even put your name on this. We just need help. We need you to let us know what we can do because see, here's the deal. We already have huge commitments. We're looking for a way to make even more commitments. So we need you to help us. And so what we're asking you to do is something that we call faith promise. And you're saying, by faith now, because if God doesn't take care of me, I don't have to take care of God's work. But God's always taking care of us. And there are a lot of us here who've done faith promise for years, and we can testify that God has supplied, 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 supplied. So, you know, it could be you can say, well, you know, there's a number here. I've, I believe God is leading me to do this. There's a number that's smaller. could be a number that's bigger. But what, I, what, I, what I'm going to ask you to do is whatever you do, would you do it on a weekly thing, whatever your weekly gift is going to be? Because I know some of us, we give like once a month or we give tw- bi-monthly or, you know, whatever. But whatever your, however your gift is brought, if you will divide it by 52, your annual gift by 52, so that we'll have a weekly figure, and then we'll compute this, and we'll know what we can do. Now, guys, here's one reason why I want to talk to you. You know, through the years at Faith Promise Conference, we brought in speakers, and we brought in missionaries, and there's been an emotional quotient to it. And so everybody gets really ginned up, and we kind of like jump over the edge and say, wow, and we get a, a really large commitment figure. I want this to be real. I want this to be something that's really, really real. So let's just back emotion out of this right now. And let's just say, hey, I love Jesus. I follow Jesus. He's my Lord. I care about, I care about the one-third of the world's population that is called unreached, totally unreached. And I want to find a way to get the word to them. And so here's what I'm going to bring every week this year. And so if you would do that, I would so appreciate that. In a few moments, we're going to receive our regular offering. You can drop this in the offering plate. You can drop it in the boxes by the back doors. But if you're not going to get to be with us tomorrow, please take part of this. You know, here's the deal. Everybody, every one of us can do something. Every one of us can do something. And you can say, well, Mark, my faith is kind of small tonight. All right, then. Put your small faith on here. And then go home and ask God to grow it for you. Right? You say, Mark, I don't know about going to church and hearing them talk about money. Listen, if you can tell me how to get the good news around the world with popcorn, I'll ask you to bring popcorn. But here's the deal. If you'll do this, what you're going to do is you're going to put at the front of your life what God cares most about. And so I'm going to ask you to just do that right now. And if you're not going to get to be with us tomorrow, because I know that for many of you, Saturday night is your worship experience. And so if you can't be with us tomorrow, please just put on there what you believe God is, is having you to do. And then drop that in the offering plate. We'll calculate that. And I'm praying. And listen, this is just kind of a little private thing. I'm praying that God will blow our minds with what he does in this church this year around the world, around the world. Let's pray. Father, would you just talk to all of us this evening? 
And then, Lord, in the morning when I, I talk again, I pray that you'll just help me to see the vision that you have. Lord, I'm tired of little visions. I'm tired of business as usual. And Lord, to some extent, I'm even tired of just doing what I've always seen. I want to see you do something through this church that just excites us and blows our mind and gives us a brand new taste for what you're doing in the world. We want to be part of it. We want to have a piece of the action. Now bless those, Lord, who are making a faith promise commitment tonight. Some are making a commitment. They've done it many times. Others are doing it for the very first time. Lord, I pray that you just give us a peace of knowing that there are going to be people in heaven who wouldn't be there if we didn't follow you in this matter. In Jesus' name, amen.